and welcome to another episode of Double Coverage. I am, all, as always, I'm Adi. Shreekhan's with me is Sam Wagner. How are you doing, man? I'm pretty good. How are you doing? Um, I can't complain. Um, it's been a, you know, it, I mean, it's Monday. We're <laughs> recording this. Um, it's around 7.30 Eastern time, so about an hour until the Monday night game starts. That'll be uh, the Bears against uh, Red, the Redskins. Um, so I'm, I'm hoping to catch at least a portion of that just to watch Mitch Trubisky and, and see what he's about. I mean, I'm, I'd be, I would like to watch it too, but I'm sure the Bears are just going to crush the Redskins, so it might not be much of a game by the time we get to see it. Yeah, well, well, we'll see. Um, by the time this is out, people will be able to answer that for themselves. Um, but we'll start off with our quick hits of the of the day. I'm going to start off with an article that I saw in uh, on ESPN, um, ESPN.com, entitled "The Grandmaster Diet: How to Lose Weight While Barely Moving." And this refers to the weight and calories that grandmaster chess players burn and some of the numbers in this were like mind-boggling i mean you sent this to me what like a week or so ago just about just about um and like i'll just read some of the numbers from this six thousand calories a day while playing in a tournament over the course of a 10-day tournament they uh grandmasters often lose 10 to 12 pounds which is really significant. I mean, people work really hard to lose that type of weight. Um, and then the, the thing that really got me um, was that, so they, they took Russian grandmaster Mikhail Antipov and they noted that he had burned the same amount of calories in just two hours of sitting and playing chess as what Roger Federer would burn in an hour of playing singles tennis, which is crazy, absolutely crazy. Yeah, I mean, you sent this to me, and I, the article, the headline of the article itself is pretty eye-catching. And then when you actually go into it and you see some of these numbers that they throw up, it's kind of ridiculous. It's absolutely incredible. They, they go into uh, Fabio Caruana, who's the number two player in the world right now. I'll note that I also play chess, which is why <laughs> this, this particularly got my attention. But yeah, they, they note Caruana and just the physical regimen that he goes through every day, like a lot of cardio, a lot of, you know, bulk eating, especially coming into into as he prepares for a tournament. So I don't know, man, like I, I was shocked personally. I have never experienced this type of weight loss. Even I've played in like five, six hour matches before, but I, I don't know. I just can't say the same, but I mean, good, good for these guys. That, I mean, that kind of weight loss is bordering on dangerous. You know? It is. I mean, that's why. That's why you know the top players now have nutritionists. They've got like. I mean, they follow a strict diet. Um, they. I mean, they're for real. They're for real, man. What question though? So, what kind of money can you make playing chess? Because these guys, like you said, these guys are hiring nutritionists and mental coaches. I'm sure. Like, that's not cheap. So, like, what kind of prize money can you get off these things? Uh, I mean, so I'll know that Magnus Carlson, who is by far. I mean. I don't even think it's my opinion. He's by far the best player in the world. His net worth right now is eight million, um, and so I and noted he's he's the best, right? He's yeah. probably the most successful right now. Fabio Caruana is also around eight million. So it, I mean, you you can I mean that's net worth. So so that's eight million after paying for this type of stuff. Right. So it, I guess if you're at that level, you can you can afford it. Yeah, I mean it's pretty nuts. I mean, they, 
I mean, that, that's more than that's more money than a lot of professional tennis players make. Yeah, eight, <laughs> eight million is also the same that Adrian Wojnarowski made on his four-year deal with ESPN. So. Uh, yes. Okay, yeah. So then my quick hits are. Uh, so the first one I've got is uh, I don't know if you guys probably didn't see this because it's not as uh, noteworthy, but uh, there was a, there's a tennis tournament that's played in this time of year, the Laver Cup, and it's this, along the same lines as the Ryder Cup in golf, if you know that. Um, where essentially they take team, well, in, in the Ryder Cup is Team America versus Team World, but in this situation in, for tennis, it's Team Europe versus Team World. Um, and side note is that those teams are stacked. Like it's not really much of a fair match anyway, because seven of the top ten players in the world play for Europe. But um, what's so great about it is that you often get to see some of the best players in the world and some of the greatest of all time play together on the same team, which you don't see a lot. And in that respect, Federer and Federer and Nadal played doubles last year. This year, they had more of a coaching role, and it was really interesting to see um, kind of the interactions that those two would have and some of the strategy talk that they would put up, um, talking to some of the younger guys on the team, giving them advice, giving each other advice on their own matches. Um, ESPN tweeted a, a clip of uh, Rafa coaching Federer in a changeover in his own match, and Federer went on to be curious, come back and be curious, and it was just a really cool thing to see. And that's the kind of thing that we're going to look back on, you know, later once these guys are all retired as, you know, something that's really cool and you don't get to see it very much because the Labor Cup doesn't draw a lot of popularity. But um, if you get a chance, definitely check out those clips. Yeah, I mean, it's just a really cool thing because they are all-time greats. I mean, it, it's a, yeah, I, and we don't even really get to see it in other sports. Um, there's not, like... You look at other events that are kind of like this, and it's like the Pro Bowl or the All-Star right. Game, where, like, no one really cares. Uh, but this is something that, you know, at least there's something to play for. Guys are playing hard. You, you noted Federer actually came back in that game against Kyrio. So, I mean, there's a level of effort that's put, being put in, which I think makes it a little bit more special. Yeah, definitely. My next uh, quick hit is just to note that Kansas uh, University, coached by Bill Self, has been hit with major NCAA violations uh, as reported on ESPN.com at around 5.30 Eastern time today. Sam, stop me if you've heard this before. Uh, There are some issues regarding the coaching staff's relationship with Adidas and its employees. (laughs) Kansas isn't that far from Louisville. No, they're not. Um, they, the Jayhawks signed a 14-year, $196 million um, apparel deal with Adidas, and they're considered one of the flagship schools um, by for Adidas. And there's just, I mean, it's run-of-the-mill stuff. It's, you know, $20,000 to get a guy to come play. And um, I, I think we can probably uh, expect certain sanctions hit on Bill Self and in Kansas pretty soon. And that's a probably, I mean, it's a really big deal because the Big 12 um, has been dominated by Kansas for so long. And I think this might give, you know, an opportunity for other teams to come in and, and maybe, <clears throat> and, and maybe you know, stamp, make their mark on, on the conference. Yeah. Uh, I will note that uh, last year Kansas did not win the Big 12 tournament. That was like the first time in, you know, 15 or so years. years right? Yeah. <laughs> it was years. Absolutely. And Iowa State beat them in the finals. But we'll see. We'll see how Kansas rebounds. Um, hopefully the NCAA deals with this. 
in a swift and efficient manner, which, as, as they always do, as they always do, uh, I mean, I don't know, it could be, it could literally be years until something happens, and obviously, I, I don't really trust the NCAA, but hopefully they come through and, and make sure that, you know, shady business is, is dealt with accordingly. This is tough, though, because you can kind of assume that this kind of thing happens with multiple teams, and it's kind of just whoever gets busted gets busted for it, and Kansas is a big-name team, so they've you know, got yeah, eyes on Yeah, make an them. example. The, the thing that made, like just had, me, just had me just geeking, it was just like um, Duke ran a in- investigation on whether or not Nike paid Zion, and I was like, <laughs> what? what? Like, Duke, Duke ran... An investigation? Yeah, like what qualifies Duke to run an investigation on their own player? Yeah, it's like asking your dad <laughs> to run an in- investigation on whether or not you, like, shoplift lifted. <laughs> I mean, I mean, maybe there's a better example, but, like, yeah. still, I mean, I just I just don't really get why Duke... Who... What What was the expectation from that investigation? But I don't, I don't know. Hopefully the NCAA gets involved uh, with Kansas. Because, I mean, you just hate to see this type of stuff. It impacts... Um, mid-major schools, schools that can't afford this type of money, schools that just don't have the market for a company like Adidas to come. Um, so it, it impacts parity, it impacts so many things, and, and just generally things that are under the table have a tendency to lead to unsafe outcomes. So, you know, I, I think it's in the best interest for the NCAA to kind of quell this while they can. Sure. I don't know if you heard about, this is tangentially related, but did you hear about the... Uh New California law that I did, yeah. Require I don't know the details, but I, something along the lines of requires schools to compensate their players or something. It it like allows players to potentially make money from their namesake, right. and I I mean I think it's we'll have to see how this plays out. It doesn't take effect immediately, also. Yeah. So I it, it'll be interesting to see how the NCAA responds. They gotta be sweating over there at the NCAA because if that they're, goes through, they're toast they're always sweating they're always sweating (laughs) all right so the last quick hit i've got so this is actually more of an audience quick hit also but uh i took i to his first Cavs game the other day and i wanted to get your opinion for the record well first of all i want to thank you for the (laughs) tickets um it was awesome and i gotta say for if you've never been to a Caps game, go. Like seriously, go. And this it was, was for the record. This was also just a preseason game. Yeah. No. The the atmosphere is fantastic. You can hear the puck, and and I think that was that was something that got me. The puck is huge. Yeah. It's huge, and I could hear the puck. It was a really cool experience, uh, especially if you're in the D.C. area. The Caps are a quality team. It's always good to see teams win. I'm not I'm not recommending bandwagoning. I'm just saying. <laughs> It's enjoyable to go to the stadium, watch your team win, watch stars like Ovechkin, Kuznetsov, Backstrom, Holtby, um, you know, really quality players. So, yeah, I mean, it was a fantastic experience. Hopefully I'll, I'll get to go again. Um, I, I definitely plan to, yeah. Uh, but we'll, we'll move on. We'll go and uh, get started with our material for this week. We'll start with NFL Week 3. Um, we're still wrapping up. As, as we noted, NFL is week two with the Bears and Redskins, but we're going to go ahead and treat it like week three. Um, and the first thing we want to talk about is the QB clusters that are kind of forming. And this is just like me spitballing here, but some of the clusters I came up with were elite quarterbacks, 
quarterbacks who are kind of converging on an identity or a quality uh, player that they are. And then young, promising, and volatile quarterbacks, and there are a ton of them. Uh, so what do you want to start with? I gotta start with the young and promising, but volatile. Yeah, there there are a ton of fun ones: um, Baker Mayfield, Daniel Jones, Lamar Jackson, Kyle Allen, Minshew, Gardner Minshew, Kyler Murray, and that's not even all of them. Obviously, Josh Rosen is still hurt, and there are a couple of other guys. But is there anyone that that kind of like pops out at you um, in terms of like one of these young players? Well, this is tough. So Lamar Jackson. We probably of those guys that you just named, Lamar Jackson probably has the highest ceiling. Um, the draw, the downside to him is obviously what we saw with RG three and the injury trouble he had. Um, so the Ravens are no, I have to be worried about that constantly. Um, I, it's tough though. He's probably he's definitely the best one on this list. I think Baker Mayfield certainly has a high ceiling as well. He's a different style player though. Um, and I'll, I'll tell you what though, I am all in on the Gardner Minshew bandwagon. He is fantastic. I mean, he's just such a great story. He's a fun guy. I mean, everyone saw his dad who's just yoked. He's a huge dude. Uh, But it was just really cool to see his dad come in with that type of passion. And and the other thing is, like, yeah, Gardner Minshew, he he doesn't – he's not the greatest quarterback. I I think people are are reasonable when they really think about it. But he's a quality – he's a quality – Like, I I don't think Nick Foles – Necessarily is going to get the job back right. when he come comes back from his injury. Yeah, he's a quality guy. He's completing about sixty seven percent of his passes, uh, or at least he did against the Titans. Um, overall, like he's fourteenth in the league in QBR, which is I mean it's not bad. Like yeah. it's it's literally in the top half of you know quarterbacks, and like some of those quarterbacks that are ahead of him, I think. Like Cam Newton might be one, and Drew Brees might be one. So like th- these are like guys who are, are are hurt. So if you adjust for injuries, like Gardner Minshew might literally have a top ten QBR. And and granted, <laughs> it's only been like a couple games, but still, it, it's it's interesting. He's new. He's giving a lot of energy to the right. Jets. That's the that's the other thing though is his numbers may not be the best in the league, but he brings so much energy that you're willing to put up with average numbers, even though we're, we kind of agree that those are better than average numbers. But theoretically... Marginally. If, if, marginally. Okay, marginally better. Marginally I don't, don't want to get too far down okay. this rabbit hole. But. <laughs> okay, fine. But my point is that even if he has average numbers, I'd still want him on my team because of that energy, which is kind of the same reason I like Baker Mayfield, is that, that energy at leadership quarterback position. I mean, if you, if you have... Baker Mayfield, like, uh, as a guy that you like, it's purely for swagger. It's, like, because I don't think he's that talented of a, of a quarterback. I, I seriously don't. I mean, if you look at other quarterbacks on this list, um, I think, you know, Lamar Jackson is a Gardner Minshew. Then there are other guys like Jared Goff, who I think probably have better mechanics, better throwing, uh, better pocket passing. But Baker Mayfield is, is a interesting leader especially if you have a young team or a team with personalities on the Browns like Jarvis Landry or Odell Beckham Jr. or you know people like that I think Baker Mayfield is a really good fit on the on that team um and 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 the other guy I wanted to mention who I really liked uh was Daniel Jones who had just a an amazing 
second half against uh, the Bucks. The Giants came back from a pretty large deficit. I believe it was 18 points. In that game, he had an 87.9 QBR, 336 yards passing, and two touchdowns, which was you know an incredible performance, especially from a guy who's so young. And he was kind of thrust into the role. I I, I think yeah. I don't think it was that telegraphed. He was kind of thrust into the role. Right. Daniel Jones is a real I. He, we haven't really seen much from him yet. We see we saw a couple of good preseason games, and obviously this game, his first game in the regular season, one was really good. Um, but it's tough, you know. Like he, it, he's so new that the, I mean, it could be a fluke. It could not be a fluke. We don't really know. I All mean, I know is he put up a fat thirty-four points for me in fantasy, and therefore I'm a fan. He he did make a lot of owners happy. Uh, I mean, there's a reason this is the young, promising but volatile group. Correct. Uh, but it's a it's a really fun group. Um, moving on to the next group, though, of and, and it's hard for me to really make this a kind of clean title, right. but basically it's the group of quarterbacks who it's like, alright, we weren't really sure what they were about, but now we, we have a better understanding of what they're about, and they're kind of converging onto what we think they'll be long term, and in that group I have Jimmy Garoppolo, Dak Prescott, Marcus Mariota, uh, Kirk Cousins, and Jared Goff, and I'll note real quick that Marcus Mariota is converging and I think in a bad way because I think Marcus Mariota is developing and, and I, I think he's just going to be a slightly below average quarterback yeah. like I think that's just going to be what he is yeah you could separate this list into converging positively and converging negatively because then on the positive side you seem to have Goff, Garoppolo and Prescott and then I think on the negative side you can throw Mariota and probably Kirk Cousins as well I I'm okay with Kirk Cousins. I don't I don't think he's great. But, but he's been converging negatively. His bar was very high after he left the Redskins. Yeah, you know? that's and then, fair. And then now it's he's not quite as he's not that bar isn't so high. People aren't expecting that much of him now. Yeah, I mean th- this is an interesting stat that kind of stuck out to me in a game where the Vikings had 34 points. He had only 174 yards passing which is interesting and only one touchdown yeah only one touchdown um but i don't i mean i think you could do so much worse than kirk like i think kirk cousins is a solid step above marcus Mariota. um and and you know i think that's valuable i i think especially in the postseason a guy like cousins versus a guy like Mariota kind of amplifies an impact so i I'm, i'm not quite ready to say that Kirk Cousins is a is a bad quarterback. I, I just I mean he's gonna be a game manager, you know, and that that's probably what he's converging on right now. Right, I I agree with that. All I'm saying is that he's converged under his bar. I say that's a that's fair. Yeah. That that's completely fair. Um, Dak Prescott, meanwhile, uh, obvi- I mean, listen, the the Cowboys have had. They literally might have played the three worst teams in the league. <laughs> I'm not even joking. Yeah. Like they they are they have played an absolute cakewalk of a schedule so far. They're three and zero after wins against the Eli Manning led Giants, the Redskins, and the Dolphins. Um, but I mean that said, Dak Prescott still has the best QBR in the league at ninety four. Um, he's been playing well. Not too many uh, mistakes. He's got a nine touchdown to two interception um, ratio they've been protecting him um, the Cowboys have so you know Dak Prescott is definitely one of those guys who's converging to a positive you know a positive place yeah I mean with Zeke 
uh, back from his contract uh, contract controversy. Um, the Cowboys are a Super Bowl contender. There's no doubt, and they're gonna slug out with the Eagles for that division, and then. I don't know. We'll see. I mean, wait. Can can we can we just say that it's not Zeke? It, it's the it's the O line. Like Alfred Morris ran for like twelve hundred yards against that line. But you you could say that for sure. But the issue is that Zeke is so much of a pass receiver as well, so he gives you that extra dimension. Whereas Alfred Morris is not going to catch you many balls. Jarek McKinnon is like a good catcher. <laughs> like right, he's not a good runner. Field. There's That's, only a yeah, handful yeah. of guys that are both. Yeah, yeah I, I don't know. I mean, I, I think the Cowboys are going to regret that contract about three years down the line, two or three years down the line, where he's washed up. But, I, I mean, that's just kind of the price you pay to get a good running back for a couple of years. And this is a window for Dallas, um, especially when the NFC East is, in my opinion, pretty terrible. Yeah. I mean, they're they're bad. The Eagles are 1-2, and two, and they're the closest competition right now. Like, they already have – they're up two games – Right, but like, up yeah, games. they're like, up two games. We but played they... three games total, and they're up two games. Like, we, but you just said they played, you know, the bottom dwellers of the NFL. So yeah, I mean, they're gonna continue to play the bottom dwellers <laughs> because they play in the NFC East. But um, and then moving on to the elite quarterbacks, I have uh, Patrick Mahomes, Tom Brady, and Drew Brees. Obviously, Drew Brees is gonna be out for a little bit. Um, I believe six weeks is what. We are being told... Four to six. Yeah, four to six weeks. Um, and, you know, these guys, I think, are kind of a league of their own. I, I don't think Aaron Rodgers is at that level anymore. Really? I was about to say, I think you might have mistakenly left off Aaron Rodgers, but you just said you don't think he's with those guys. So, Aaron... Why? Do you know who Aaron Rodgers is just below in the QBR rankings right now? Who? <laughs> we mentioned him earlier, Gardner Minshew. Okay, okay. Like, he's, I mean, he's right around. Like, he literally... The list... I'm, I'm picking it up, obviously, a little okay. bit further down. But it goes Kyler Murray, Josh Allen, Gardner Minshew, Aaron Rodgers, Derek Carr, Marcus Mariota. Okay, but so you, are you going to take the, the first three games of this season and disregard everything he's done the last eight years? No, no. I mean, look, if we, if we want to talk about, like, all-time careers, Aaron, I mean, Aaron Rodgers is a Hall of Famer. Right, he's so why isn't he on your elite list? Well, I'm, I'm talking about right now. Right now, I don't, like... Right now, give me Dak Prescott over Aaron Rodgers. I'm serious. I'm, I'm serious. <laughs> I'm completely serious. <laughs> that's I, a, that's like such a hot take that it's like scalding. I, I'm getting burned by that take. Like I get that the Packers are are three and zero right now, but I just like Aaron Rodgers hasn't been that good lately. He he hasn't. They're three and zero. His numbers have not been that good lately. I don't know, man. You'd be hard-pressed for me to take anybody besides Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> no, no, sure. I mean, I, that that's fair. Aaron Rodgers definitely has a, a body of work. And like I said, when it comes down to him as a, as a career guy, he's a Hall of Famer in my book. But he wasn't that good last year. Like, he, he was all right. And then, you know, this year he's going to be all right as well. Okay, well, he was injured last year, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, he was hurt. The, the team was bad. Right. So let's say I'm just saying, Get, may, getting hurt matters as a quarterback. He may have, he may not have had a great three games to start the season, but I still want him. Like, he, he's gonna regress to his mean eventually. Maybe I mean, man is 35 years old though. He's not young. Breeze is 40. Yeah, but Drew's 42. But, but Drew Breeze came off of a career year last year, and so did and Tom Brady won the Super Bowl. Like it's it's different. 
Yeah, it it's is. Different. Di- it's it's different when you age. It's different, yeah. yes. But I, these guys are playing really late. I don't think the age necessarily matters. All right. Well, we'll we'll see. <laughs> maybe maybe I'll come and you know tone down that take. But I don't know. I I think Mahomes, Brady, and Breeze are the guys to watch. Patrick Mahomes is is a beast, and you know I don't I don't even think there's that much to say about these no, guys. No, everything that's said about Mahomes has already been said. Yeah, uh, we can move on to our next topic, which was a theoretical Patrick uh, Mahomes trade, and yes. and basically the exercise here is like, what would it take for the Chiefs to trade Patrick Mahomes? Yes, um, just and, for some context, this was a, a topic that we were discussing last night, where Adi mentioned, he asked me kind of as a as a theoretical question, what would you take? to trade Patrick Mahomes and I said nothing. There's nothing you could offer me that would get me to trade Patrick Mahomes. So so let me let me oil let, let me grease the wheels <laughs> okay, here. Okay. Okay. All right. So let's say let's talk fantasy football. Okay. Not Okay, so fantasy football would you take like a top 5 running back and a top 10 wide receiver for Mahomes? A top five running back and a top ten receiver for Mahomes? Yeah. This year? No, I would not. No. Really? Okay. A top five running back and a top five wide receiver. I would probably need... Okay, if we're talking fantasy, this is is a little tougher. I would probably want either one top five running back and two top ten receivers. Jeez. Or two... Jeez, man. Or two top five running backs. Jeez, I'm that's... not gonna give up Mahomes. Oh my goodness. Okay. All right. Well, let, let's move into real life then. Let's say, let's say I give you. I'll I'll give you five first round draft picks that are parceled over the next three years. Okay. Five first round draft picks over the next three years. I'm not gonna take any picks though. You have to give me somebody. I'm not just gonna take picks, right? You need to put someone in his place. All right. All I right. need a decent quarterback in addition to all these picks at the very least. Okay. How about how about this? I'll give you Deshaun Watson. Okay. And two first rounders for Patrick Mahomes. Now we're a little bit closer to one I would probably. Is take. that still not? That's not good enough. We're close. I'm I'm considering. I haven't hung up the phone yet. Okay. On this call. Uh. Deshaun Watson and four first round picks. It's tough though. Like it, to, how about, me, how about to this? me, the value De- of the- Deshaun Deshaun Watson, Laramie Tunsil, and three first round picks. This is what's that's got to that's got to be it, right? This is this is what's holding me back, right? It's hard for me to value a pick or any pick higher than him. Like he. You would have to draft someone essentially better or at the same level as Mahomes for those picks to be worth something to me. Yeah, that's fair. And I don't think you can do that. I don't. Th- maybe Trevor Lawrence next year. Maybe. Yeah. Tua. Ma- I, maybe. Hurts. Like, but those are still well, question well, also, marks. Well, you don't have Mahomes to draft. But you don't have to draft a, a quarterback. Because you gave me Watson. Yeah. If you get three picks, plus you get Laramie Tunsil, so you can flip whoever the Chiefs' left tackle is right now. So you would then be able to use probably four first round picks and just have the the most insane defense of all time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean if you're gonna put Deshaun Watson in the mix, then that, that changes the equation because 
that would be a comparable. Maybe maybe Deshaun Watson was too good of a player to throw in. No, that I mean, would the, be the, the you have to put is, someone in that spot. Like that was a good player to put in that spot in that trade. The point of this exercise is just to show how, how just ridiculously <laughs> untradeable Patrick Mahomes is. Because it's like, and the other thing with the Chiefs is they don't really have that many holes. Like what do you no, what do you really. want? Like you want to give them a wide receiver? They, they have plus. Sammy Watkins and Tyreek Hill. Yeah. Like they just don't need that much stuff. Yeah, Travis Kelsey's a beast. Yeah, um, I don't know. Look out, look out, because Patrick Mahomes is gonna be good for a really long time. <laughs> uh, but we'll we'll move on. We're gonna quickly, very quickly, talk about three teams that are over delivering, three teams that are under de- delivering. Uh, my overs are the Bills, Ravens, 49ers. My unders are the Eagles, Panthers, and Browns. Sam? I The one thing I'll mention about yours is the Browns at the underwhelming side. I mean, they've lost to... The they've first, lost to good teams. So, yeah. the first game you kind of... I would almost bet on them losing that first game with all the hype that was surrounding them, right? Yeah. And then this last one was against the Rams. So, it's tough to say they're underachieving, but I get... I mean, they're on 1-2, and two and you are what your record says you are, but I wouldn't put an asterisk by them, maybe. And then, so, my over-delivering teams are the Packers, the Colts, and the Giants. And I know... The Giants are one and two, but I'm sure most people would say that they were going to be zero and three at this point, and they seem to have found a good quarterback. So I'm going to put them at over delivering, and then underwhelming teams would be the Chargers, the Steelers, and the Eagles. Yeah, I mean, I feel like, are the Chargers have they in their in the history of Philip Rivers have they ever been an over delivering team? Seriously, like, maybe one, maybe a couple years ago they were really good. Yeah, and I mean, they still, like, have they haven't even sniffed the Super Bowl. I feel like, I almost feel bad for them. A partial- uh, yeah, I mean, Philip Rivers is a weird guy. I don't know. It's I don't really feel too bad for them because they've been good for a long time, but, like, I get where you're coming from. I'm still going to have them as underwhelming, I don't think. Yeah. You know. The, the only one of yours that really um, sticks out to me would be the Colts. Um... I, I guess they're over-delivering, maybe, right well, now. Well, they're 2-1, and one, right? Yeah, but, so, I mean, they're, they're a quality team. I think everyone, kind of, including myself, thought they would kind of give up a little bit after Luck retired. Yeah, Jacoby Brissett has had a, a couple good right. games or two. They did beat two pretty bad teams right. in the Titans and Falcons. Sure. I mean, check, check this out. Like, moving forward, they play the Chiefs. They play the Texans twice. They play the Saints so I don't know if it's all going to be sunshine and rainbows, but yeah, maybe they are over delivering. I, I can I can get behind that I think. Um, and then another quick hit we'll do here as we wrap up the NFL is the Antonio Brown fallout. Um, obviously, uh, just a quick recap: um, there are now two accusers um, accusing him of sexual assault. This has now been substantiated by uh, a lot of, I'll just call it electronic correspondence. Uh, It's like emails and text messages. Um, The Patriots who uh, signed him after he was cut by the Raiders have now released him. Um, The league has not taken any action, including putting him on the exempt list, which would basically make him unsignable. There have been teams reportedly who have expressed interest in Antonio Brown. I can only imagine it was the Dolphins. Who's the other? Who do you think the other one is, though? I don't know. I think I know who it is. Who? The Redskins. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the, the Redskins at this point are so morally bankrupt. That <laughs> right, it's like, exactly. What, it, what's what's another what's, guy? Yeah, what's I mean, their, what are they going to lose in terms of the social standing? You know yeah, what I, mean? I mean, they kept Reuben Foster after a domestic violence allegation. Um, obviously, they've been in scandals regarding their team name, regarding the way they treated uh, 
cheer uh, female cheerleaders on a, a broad trip. Um, Dan Snyder himself is not really. He's not even a decent human being. <laughs> I like I can't even say that he's a decent human being. So I don't know. Like I, I buy the Redskins. Yeah. Sadly. Yeah, I bet you that's. I I don't know who the the other team. You may be right about the Dolphins because they're so terrible, but. I think the Redskins are definitely one of those couple teams that they mentioned as being interested. Yeah, there was a report, by the way, that a team called, I think it was about asking about Jalen Ramsey, Yeah. about whether or not if he played on Thursday and they signed him on Friday, if he was eligible to play on Sunday, which is absurd. Like, obviously not. Obviously, like, come on, man. He just played like four days ago. <laughs> So, I, so, but there was a, a team that apparently called and asked. There were several teams. Oh, well, there's only one that called and asked about Yeah, they, they like, yeah. asked the NFL, and the NFL was just like, nah, man. Like, But I bet that was also the Redskins. If you're the Jaguars, do you want to keep him, or are you dealing him? I don't know. I mean, he so so check this out. Jalen Ramsey called in sick. Oh, yeah. He, he, like, he <laughs> called in sick and was like, hey, I'm not going to be at practice. Yeah. What? Yeah. Who let that happen? That's yeah. hilarious. I, he would be on the first bus out of Jacksonville if it was up to me. I would not want... I mean, he's, he's a really good player, he and would, I'm sure he could get a good deal for him, but like... He would take a lime electric scooter out of Jacksonville <laughs> if, if he needed to. Like, yeah, I mean, he claims he has the flu. No one really knows. I don't even think he's seen team doctors. I At a certain point, you just have to cut your losses, I think. If you're, I mean, what are you playing for at Jacksonville? Like... Trade trade Jalen Ramsey. Get some guys that you can build around Gardner Minshew. When Nick Foles gets healthy, flip Nick Foles. I mean, you can you have assets, and right. you're not going to be a good team now. So what do you do when you're a good team with a lot of assets? Yeah. You flip them and build for the future. And I don't. I mean, I think that's the the way for Jacksonville to go at this point. Totally agree. Um, but overall, I just want to ask you, Sam, uh, how who who how do, how do these parties come across in the whole Antonio Brown ordeal. Bill Belichick was uh, absolutely refused to answer questions, which I thought was a really unprofessional and immature look. Um, it is Bill Belichick, though. Sure, sure. <laughs> I mean, but, but listen, like, he, he was like, oh, I'm only talking about football. I mean, like, come on, man. Like, yeah. a, a, this is football because it's a football player who is very talented, who could impact the way your team plays. But even beyond that, like you, you gotta talk about these things. Like yeah. if you wanna, like you signed up for this. Yeah. You know, no one, no one forced you to be coach of the Patriots. Well, yeah. There's a few coaches around that kind of have that mentality that like they're above everyone and they don't need to answer questions. Those three would be Bill Belichick, Nick Saban, and Greg Popovich. Yeah, but but <laughs> Popovich has actually earned it. Like Belichick has six rings. Yeah, yeah, I guess. But, but and Saban has six. So I'll say this. Popovich has earned this in in terms of, like, being a nice guy. Like, Bill Belichick has, has been mired in controversy his entire yeah. career. Yeah, that's true. So when he dodges a question, it's more like, okay, he probably doesn't want to answer it because he knows that he's in the wrong regarding Antonio Brown. But when it's Greg Popovich, it's like... It's it, Greg Popovich doesn't dodge questions because he's morally questionable. He dodges questions because he's an old man who <laughs> who doesn't care about anything. Like like there's a famous quote of like, "Hey coach, what 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 happened in that first quarter?" And, and he's literally like, "Well, the other team shot the ball through the hoop more than we <laughs> shot the ball through the hoop." And it's like you're allowed to do that, man. Yeah. You know he's earned it not just in terms of the the way his teams 
play on the court, but the discipline that he's led for so long. But I, I digress. Yes, I yes. Digress. <laughs> um, the, well, this pretty much wraps up uh, our NFL talk. We'll take a quick break uh, before we start talking about Major League Baseball. All right, the uh, Major League Baseball uh, playoff race is heating up. Um, it, I mean, it's been scalding hot for a while, I think. Um, I think if, if we look at the, the divisions, they're all pretty much wrapped up. It looks like um, the St. Louis Cardinals are going to go ahead and win that NL Central. Um, but the two wildcard races are still pretty interesting. We'll start with the NL wildcard, which is pretty much between the Nationals and the Brewers. The Brewers notably lost Christian Yelich, um, who was at the time presumable uh, NL MVP. They're both tied right now. I mean, technically the Nats are are like 0.1% higher just because they played, um, they have played one fewer game, I think, or maybe two, two fewer, fewer games yeah. uh, than the Brewers, but they're pretty much neck and neck. Um, who do you think's gonna gonna win that wild card in terms of getting home field advantage? So this is tough because if you look at these two teams' schedules from here on out, <laughs> it's drastic difference. The Brewers have a cakewalk going through the end of the season, and the Nets are playing a, a gauntlet of teams. So, it's I mean, by that logic, you think, well, it's the Brewers are all the way. But the Nets do have two games in hand, which is can which may end up being a big deal, and it may come down to those two extra games. So. I want. I think the Brewers are probably going to end up with the home field advantage, but my heart tells me the Nats are going to be there. Yeah, I mean it's just so Scherzer pitches twice, Corbin pitches twice. Um, looks like Strasburg is slated to pitch one more time um, in these final eight games for the Nationals. Uh, the Brewers just don't have guys who you're like, oh, like awesome. It's it's this guy on the mound. You know, like they just don't have those type of guys. And I think that's that's significant, especially in these really high-pressure games. Um, but yeah, you're absolutely right. The Nationals playing the Phillies and the Indians versus the Brewers playing the Reds and the Rockies. I will note that for whatever this is worth, the Brewers play their final six games on the road, um, which you know could be significant. The Nationals play their final eight games all at home, mm. um, which... Again, I mean, we don't really know what that's going to mean, but um, that that is significant. The Nats also, right now, as we're recording this, are up 3-0 against the Phillies. All right. So we'll we'll see. I think I'm going to lean to the Nationals. I, I think, ultimately, quality teams win, and I think the Nationals, with that pitching, they can take them into the you know postseason. Um, I, don't, I honestly don't know if home field advantage matters that much. In, in this playoff game, I'm taking the Nationals either way. There's no Christian Yelich, um, and the Nationals have potentially the NL MVP in Anthony Rendon, along with just like a ridiculously stacked lineup with Trey Turner in there. He's playing really well. Juan Soto, Victor Robles, Zimmerman's back. He hit a couple of home runs, and, and obviously they're going to be able to put the ace on the mound. Yeah, it's. I think we both have the Nats in the in this wild card game, no matter where it's being played. Um, 
The one thing we didn't mention is the the hot streak. Brewers are what nine and one, eight and two in their last ten. Yeah, they've won eight of their last ten and, yeah. and their last four. And the Nats are on a little bit of a skid. So yeah, the Nats are have lost their previous game and, and five of their last ten. Yeah, so I think it's definitely going to come down to the last you know couple games of the season, which is fun to watch. Um, but either way, I, I'm not. I agree with you. I don't know that it necessarily matters very much who gets the the home field advantage because I, the Nats are going to put a substantially better pitcher on the mound than the Brewers will. No matter where it's played. Yeah, plus no Christian Yelich. Yeah, that's um, the, a big deal. The last thing I'll note on this is that the Nationals' run differential is 119, and the Brewers are negative two. That's so it's 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 just like sure maybe maybe they won the same number of games and they're pretty much neck and neck right now. But the Nationals have been so much more dominant, um, especially for that just scalding stretch that they had. You, you know, yeah, mid-season. you don't often see a playoff team with a negative run differential. That's got to be rare. Yeah, it's absolutely bizarre. Um, and then in the uh, American League, the Oakland Athletics are right now sitting on top of the number one spot. Um, they are two games up on both the Tampa Bay Rays and the Cleveland Indians. The Cleveland Indians, by the way, will have a three-game series against the Nationals um, and they will both. This is to close the season, and they'll both be clawing yeah. for for a, a wild card spot. So that might be maybe the most interesting um, series of September. So it'll it'll be interesting to watch that. Um, who do you have uh, in that wild card race? I think I think it stays where it is. I think it's A's, Indians, then the Rays are out. Well, I, okay. I think the A's have just kind of flown under the radar, and they're kind of a quiet team. No one really, you know, knows about them out here, especially out here in the East. It's um, tough to watch them. It is, yeah, it it's is. so tough. And they just kind of always fly under the radar and always perform better than they're slated to do. So I kind of like the Athletics. I think they'll slide into that first spot, and then the Indians will play them and probably win that wild card game. Okay. Um, so we'll we'll see. We'll keep our our eyes out on that uh, on those two wild card races. Hopefully, we'll be able to attend a Nationals home game playoff against the uh, Brewers, um, and then we'll see what happens after that. Um, moving on to the to the MLB um, MVP races, this is going to be good. Um, in the NL, it's Cody Bellinger against Anthony Rendon. I think we've basically kind of ruled out Yelich because of that injury. Yeah, I think unfo- as, as kind of unfortunate as it is, I think you kind of do have to rule him out after this injury. So who do you like between Bellinger and Rendon? I mean, is, this is such a <laughs> difficult question for us to answer yeah. as you know, big Matt, Nats fans, both both of us. This, is, I mean, this is unfortunately, I think it's all but locked in that Bellinger is going to win it because of a few reasons. Not one of them is not the fact that his numbers are necessarily better, um, but he's plays for a, a high profile team and he's a high profile name. Um, Hits a lot of and he hits a lot of home runs, so yeah. he's he's eye catching, and I think that's important when it comes to these MVP votes. But we know Rendon is just as his numbers are right there with him. So his numbers are potentially even better than than Ballinger. His batting average, I th- his batting average is almost like, thirty points. Yeah, it's like higher. twenty or thirty points higher. Um, he leads in uh, uh, RBI as well. I think the one number that you know he just can't shake is the WAR statistic. That Cody Bellinger is kind of dominating, and almost an entire point of extra WAR. Bellinger also hitting ten more home runs uh, over the course of the year, as you mentioned, um, than Rendon. So I don't know. It'll it'll be interesting. 
Um, I could see Rendon winning it. I would probably note that Bellinger's the favorite, but I would probably give it like a 70-30 split right now. I think that's generous. I I don't, as much as I hate to say it, I don't think he's going to win. I just, I mean, he, this this is a guy who barely makes all-star games. You know what I mean? Like, people just don't care but, about it. But him. it's different. It's different because the fans don't vote on, you know, the, this is like, it's like Buster Olney and Jason Stark. I think it Starker still does matter. I, the MVP. I mean, they know he's good, but they don't think of him when they when they think of the elite players in the NL. Yeah. To be fair, Tim Kirchin loves Rendon. Well, Tim Kirchin is a, I mean... Tim Kershaw is an old-fashioned guy who likes that kind of, yeah. you know, likes that kind of quiet mentality. Uh, so check this out in the uh, we've in, in the AL. Mike Trout, despite being out for the season <laughs> and, and probably missing like I believe the last twenty games, uh, he is still the league leader in uh, the the AL league leader in WAR. Well, okay, we don't even need to talk about the AL. And he will, he will be MVP, <laughs> right. make it, no mistake. I mean, you might as well make this the Mike Trout Award for the next few years because yeah. it doesn't matter. He's just the best player, and it's not even close. It's incredible. I mean, we're at the point where, like, if you were like, hey, Mike Trout isn't going to – he's going to he's gonna miss 20 games. <laughs> you could pick Mike Trout or the field. Right. Mike Trout is still the heavy favorite. Right. You got, heavy yeah, favorite. you take 20 games out of Mike Trout's schedule, and he's still the favorite, Like yeah. exactly like you said. If Mike Trout missed 40 games, we could we could begin to have a conversation <laughs> about other guys um, in, in the league, but it's just absolutely hilarious. Um, Mike Trout will win another uh, AL MVP. Congrats in advance to, <laughs> to Mike Trout. Um, you know, and we'll, we'll kind of... I guess wrap that up. I mean, is there yeah. anything else MLV wise that you wanted to to cover? No, I don't. I don't think so. All right. Well, that pretty much wraps it up for this week. Um, I, actually, the Monday night game is about to start, beat, so we really timed this right. <laughs> um, we'll we'll definitely be keeping our eyes out on some stuff happening. Um, the MLB race, along with more NFL stuff, college football is really gonna. Uh, you know, turn up and, and go into high gear. So we'll be we'll be waiting for that, and we'll be we'll be you know keeping our eyes on some of this other stuff. You know, maybe there's another chess article that drops, <laughs> and we can we can have another segment on it. But I think that's got that's that's it for now. Um, so everyone enjoy the rest of your week, and thanks for listening.